T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day on a Monday. I got hit by a big sack of the Mondays. Someone stole my headphones out of the studio, or maybe they didn't steal. Maybe they placed them somewhere safe for me. But right now, my headphones are missing, so I am working headphone list. So give me a follow on Twitter. I got some interesting stuff on there, at Dan Day Radio. On the way, Manny Diaz is going to be talking with Joe Rose. Dan Lebetard, he's all about the dog. After that huge game yesterday, almost a huge win. Well, maybe not huge, but nonetheless. And Stephen A. Smith, you know he's excited. Cowboys lost yesterday, so that Southern draw going to be coming out. Right now, let's get into those headlines. Earlier today, the Panthers defeated the New Jersey Devils 6-4. Next up for Florida is Colorado on Friday. Tonight's Monday night football game features Detroit versus Green Bay. Kickoff is at 8-15. Following a one-point loss to Washington, the Dolphins look to have a strong week at practice, then take on conference pro Buffalo on the road Sunday at 1. Coming off their biggest win of the season against number 20, Virginia, the Canes will look to improve their record Saturday at at noon against Georgia Tech at Hard Rock Stadium. Despite missing the Heat's past three practices for personal reasons, Deion Waiters is expected to play tonight when Miami takes on Atlanta at 7.30. The NLCS continues tonight as Washington looks to take a commanding 3-0 series lead over St. Louis. Coco Golf won her first professional tennis tournament over the weekend. The 15-year-old phenom is a Delray Beach native. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. <sighs> A security guard in Wisconsin recently got bored and handcuffed himself. The only problem is he left the cuff's keys at home, so had to call police to help him out of the restraints. Please don't give that guy a gun. Pope Francis recently took to Twitter to post thanks for newly canonized saints, but autocorrect took care of it, and they accidentally thanked and blessed the New Orleans Saints, who went on to defeat Jacksonville 13-6. I'm saying it now, this is the year for my saints. I mean, come on. And natives in Thailand say that Buddhist aliens recently landed in their country and warned that World War III will begin 2022. Yep. Now on to weather brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast, cloudy skies, temperatures around 80. Win a brand new $45,000 Mercedes Benz at Hylia Park Casino. Get free entries every Saturday and earn more entries, playing slots every day now through November 30th. Grand prize giveaway Saturday, November 30th. Oh, what a great win for the U this past Friday, taking down 20th ranked Virginia. So, you know, Manny Diaz a little bit more chipper this morning when he spoke with Joe Rose and the guys talking about the biggest change going on during that win. What did Manny do differently as far as coaching the D? Greg Russo, the beast is loose. The quarterback situation, maybe Jaron Williams, he could be starting. The new kicker, making plays late in the game, and Georgia Tech. 
Good morning, Coach. Welcome to the show. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday. How are we doing? We're doing great, Coach, and uh, congratulations, by the way, on uh, on the win and especially the way it happened, all those things we talked about, making big plays, defensively being aggressive, your red zone defense. What was the biggest change, Coach, when you go back and you look at the tapes that you saw when you, you, you went back that changed so dramatically in that game? Well, like you mentioned, obviously defensively we, uh, we we had a great effort out there. Guys really put it on their on their backs to to get us the win. But but overall, as an entire team, I think it was just we were the team that made the plays in the fourth quarter. I mean, obviously we've been in all these sort of you know toss up tight games, and to have it where you know obviously our offense had had, had a hard time moving the ball against Virginia, and then all of a sudden they get to the fourth quarter and go right down the field twice and and get us ten points, which is big in a tight game like that, and. And then defensively to make them, you know, to make it stand up and to keep Virginia out of the end zone and, and all the trips that they went down there. I mean, I, I just thought the will of the team to to get the victory in front of our fans. I thought the fans were awesome. It was it was rowdy in there in the fourth, and and those were that ultimately uh, proved to be the difference. Coach, help me out defensively. Uh, you said last week when we talked, like, hey, I'm going more to the defense. I, I think it was just kind of general comment at that point. What exactly did you call plays? Did you make change? What was the biggest thing you did defensively with this group to get? involved no but you know Blake Baker called the plays and I thought he called a great game on uh, on Friday night the biggest thing was just it was just in practice as, as I've mentioned there just had to be someone there had to be someone who all the players could connect to and because for whatever reason it had just it had just not happened just maybe adding a different layer of accountability to the to the players on that side of the ball and making them feel that how they were all dependent on one another for for each other's success and look like as I mentioned we were you know we were going to play better anyway I, I don't think that was who we were um, against Virginia Tech but but we had to get a sense of urgency that we had to get it going right away because you know the standard is the standard at the University of Miami for how we play defense and, and everyone knew that there's a lot of guys with pride in that room that, that had let it down the week before. Coach it looked like I, I don't know I mean you're being nice it looked a lot more aggressive and more blitzing it looked a little bit more like old Manny Diaz defense I, I'm just saying that from the outside coach. Well yeah because when guys look it's it's when when guys it's just amazing how it happens. When, when guys trust each other and guys go, it's amazing how everybody just plays so much faster. And I agree with you, you know what I mean? But 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 it, it's it's always too easy to make it just about a play call um, because play calls that are executed slowly uh, right. don't look very good. But when guys really cut it loose and let it go, um, then all of a sudden guys are really making things happen. And, and I, I thought we were the more physical team. I thought, you know, just the way we played and got after it and punished all their ball carries. Let me tell you something now. That quarterback's a hard guy to tackle. If they had a if they had a statue playing quarterback, we'd have sacked him 16 times. Um, <laughs> that guy, that guy's, that guy's hard to get on the ground, and, and I'm, I'm glad he's a senior. We don't have to deal with him anymore. Coach, what happened in practice last week? Greg Russo gets a start and uh, had a little bit of a coming out party for himself. We, we always, we've heard a lot about him in the that last couple of years. Beast. So, but man, he, you let the beast uh, kind of loose on uh, Friday night. Yeah, Greg's been coming and coming. His snap count has been going up more and more. And if, if anyone watches our front play, we we rotate our our ends and tackles. So you know who's out there for the first play usually isn't the biggest deal. But so Greg, yeah, but you're you're right. I mean, Greg, in terms of his understanding of of the structure of the defense and and you know as, as you know defensive end now it's it's almost like playing outside outside linebacker because of all the assignments on zone read, for example. So. You know, Greg was becoming more and more comfortable with what was going on in there, um, and ultimately warranted you know to be out there for the first play. And, and then now that he's out there, you just see his his ability grow. And we've we've been saying this about Greg Rousseau, uh, you know, since his, he early enrolled his, his freshman year, and, and it's a great example of our 
our recruiting efforts and an idea of trusting your evaluation. You know, Greg's a guy at, at a shopping yacht high school that we just we thought the world of and thought he had a chance to be an outstanding player and and it got, it's gotten in the program. You look at the way his, his our strength program has developed his body and and uh, he's an, he's an example of, of of creating an elite player. Um, here from 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 Dade County and, and and really been exciting to watch him progress progress and develop. Coach, what can his weight be? I think he's put like fifty pounds on forty or Looks fifty like pounds it. since he got got to your your program. How big can he play and still be effective? C- could he be two seventy two eighty? Yeah, but do, what, would does, would that be necessary? You know, for what purpose? Because he has such you know the idea of just having you know weight for weight's sake. I don't know that that would help. He's so long levered. He's got such amazing leverage. So when he bends, you know, this is just yeah. you know I didn't learn much in physics, but I learned a little bit when uh, you know when 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 <laughs> people long levers bend. You know, I mean the, the force that they can apply on on, on another object is is increased so you would never want him to lose his natural gift which is ability to yeah. run i mean the one time virginia ran a little naked with a quarterback and i mean he was, he was shot out of a cannon and perkins ended up throwing it away so you know again defense is all about you know speed and quickness first you know an explosion and power second and at miami we're never going to worry about what number the guy weighs as, as long yeah. as they can we can run fast and hit hard Hey, uh, let me ask you about your quarterback situation. Nikosi Perry takes – it's kind of weird he took over, but he's got more experience than any of your quarterbacks. Has a great drive, really did a nice job with things. Does it tease you a little bit to, to come back with him again this week? Could it happen, or, or do you stick with Jaron Williams? Well, it doesn't tease us. It lets us know what we've been saying all along is that is that we can win games with Nikosi. I mean, Nikosi just beat a 20th-ranked team you know, in the in the country and, and the week before led a 20-point comeback. and. Last year, he led a comeback against Florida State from down 20. I mean, Nikosi, he's done some things now on his resume uh, that are impressive. So it, it, it's what I've been saying all along. You know, Jaron Williams is our starter, but but it's still up to Jaron to, to, to come back from the issues he's been dealing with and to, and, and, not, and also to come back with the adversity of what he faced in the Virginia Tech game and and, uh, and to prove to everybody that he's that he's ready to go. And if, and if for whatever reason he's not, we've got we've got all the faith in the world in Nikosi to, to get it done. So if Jaron is healthy, Jaron will be the starter. Uh, c- coming up this week, if he's healthy and if he's ready, a- again, there's it's, a, it's two parts to it. It's, it's healthy and he's ready to put to, to bounce back. In essence, from you know, look, when you're the quarterback, everybody's watching everything you do. You know, it's that idea of getting back in there and, and getting back on the horse and, and and saying, hey, let's ride. And, and you know, I think once he's ready for that, then then we'll be ready to go. Coach, you got to tell us about this kicking story. Um, I've seen kickers to see if they're healthy or not in warmups, but you actually let him kind of compete there in warm-ups uh, between Bubba Baxa and Turner Davidson, who ends up doing a field goal kick, and Bubba did the kickoffs. I'm just curious, did they know ahead of time that they were going to be in a little open competition kickoff uh, competition before the, the game? We've been competing in everything we've done all all fall, in essence, in terms of who's going to be our kicker. You know, we, we chart every kick that they make in practice, every kick that they miss in practice, where it's made and where it's missed from. Um, so they, they all know that everything counts and everything matters. When we got to uh, the stadium Friday night, it just so happened that the warm-up was it was so one-sided, and Turner had just been was just so much better that we just felt like we had no choice but to go to go his route. And we explained that to Bubba, and that's not a you know again the competition continues you know going forward. It was very important for Bubba to do a great job with kickoffs because as we all saw, you know Reed is such an amazing kick returner, and you know and we, the team was very excited to see Turner get his chance. You know the team always wants the the, the, the you know competition you know reigns supreme. That's what the team wants. They want to see guys at every position competing and they want to see the best man have a chance to get out there and, and, and make plays on, on, on game day. 
Coach, I'm not even going to lie to you. I saw a picture of Turner Davidson after the game, and I thought it could have been like your nephew out there in a jersey <laughs> and not out, not one of the players on the team or a walk-on. I could not believe it that this guy was out there. And it was an even better story. Now, I know you got pressed last week uh, during the press conferences uh, by a couple of the reporters about your number two kicker and what was going on with him. What was what was the storyline with, I guess, since Turner's your number three guy or the walk-on, what was the story with the number two kicker on, on the depth chart? Yeah, Ken, the price has been unavailable for us for the last couple of weeks. We'll get him back this weekend, so we'll, we'll really have a three-man competition <laughs> right. during the course of the week to see uh, to see who trots out there on uh, on Saturday. What a cool story, though. Right. I mean, the, the the Turner Davidson. It's a cool story. Makes his field goal, hits a couple extra points, and he just seemed like. What did he say when you said, "Hey, Turner, you're ready to go. You're going to be kicking field goals and uh, and extra points against one of the best teams in the ACC." How'd that go? He was excited. I, I talked actually at the hotel that day, even before the one, but at the hotel at that. I said, hey, listen, be, be mentally ready to, to go in there and, and, and make a kick tonight. And he's like, I'm ready, coach, you know. And he's, he's got a great temperament, great demeanor about him. And then, and that's fun. You know, he's got, um, you know, if you could, we, we had some fun with, with Turner in the locker room after the game. And the players, like I said, they were they're really excited. And look, these ACC games, man, everything matters, right? I mean, these games all seem to come down to the end. And right. so the, there's a game that, you know, every point that's on offer, you, you got to have. So um, to be able to make those kicks, you know, in a game where, you know, that comes down to such slim margins, you know, there's such a little margin for error. So it was huge to our efforts. Coach, were you worried? I was a little worried. I'm not going to lie to you. Before the game, I was like, damn, they've lost all these close games. They don't know how to win. They don't make big plays when they need to late. And I said, this is going to be another one of those games. Does that cross your mind as a coach? Like, how do I get guys to, to make plays and, and, and find a way to win late in games the way you did finally against Virginia? Well, I think you have trust in your guys. And I think you also know that that's a process that you just have to learn how to do it. I mean, I, I did have the thought when we were when it was 7-6. I thought the other way around. I'm, just, I'm a more generally optimistic person that this would be the game where this team is going to figure out how to how to make it happen in the yeah. fourth quarter and, and, and how to make the plays. And and what was so cool about it is you just look at all the varying guys that step up and make a play in that situation, whether that's, you know, Mark Pope with a great catch and run, you know, on the sideline for a 30-yard gain, you know, DJ Dallas run down to the goal line. And, and then Nicosi, you know, Nicosi on the play, you know, to score the touchdown, ultimately the determination to not be denied, you know what I mean, and to stick the ball there in the end zone to to, to get the touchdown, you know, and then whether it's Trajan Bandy on a, on a big sack on the last drive, you know, right. just that's what it takes, man. It just takes different guys making plays and then the confidence of the team will grow from that. And that's just, you know, look, that's been a little bit of the story of this team. Everyone knows how close we are to having a much, much better record. Um, but that, in all, in essence, came down to in all three games, some fourth quarter, you know, same thing like we talked about, shooting the ball and watching it go in and out, you know. And, and so to be able to watch the ball go through the net, is a big deal to our confidence. Coach, the Amari Carter, the the penalty after he got uh, uh you know, the targeting call and he was in the end zone like what what happened? Like I I'm sure I explained it to you and I know you talked a little bit about it post game, but what happened there with the miscommunication where he thought like he was going to be thrown out or wasn't like what what happened there? Yeah, that was that was unfortunate. I thought that was a little unfair on Amari. Um, it, it, I don't know if you've been down there, Joe. It's really hard to hear anything acoustically down on the field at Hard Rock. Amari was waiting for someone to take him off the field. He's not sitting there trying to. He's not trying to sit there trying to play the next play, but he can't hear what's going on, and he's waiting for the official. And actually, if you watch the replay, the official is telling him that he's got to go. He's waiting for someone to tell him that he's right. that he's got to go. So he's just standing there. I thought that was a little bit harsh. You kind of like a double a double foul, a little a little you know embarrassing for a guy that that to be honest is just doing. What, what, what we asked him to do, I thought Amari plays the game the right way. 
plays at physical, you know, he plays like a Miami Hurricane safety should play. So, you know, could, could we have managed that a little bit different? I mean, from our standpoint, obviously we got to get a, get a guy out there and, and get him off the field. But I also thought that's one of those that they could have just blown a whistle and say, hey, young man, I'm sorry, but you know, you got you got to gotta go. And, and just because there, there was, there was simply a miscommunication thing. No one was, there was no intent to try to create an advantage, which ultimately is what, you, what penalties should be for. Coach, it looked like, did you feel you guys played a cleaner game mentally um, on defense as well? Like less mistakes, being aggressive. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's okay. no doubt that we did. Uh, and again, I, I had mentioned. Well, look, I mean, I mean, compared to the week before, it, 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 that that wasn't oh, too much of yeah. an ask. I mean, we yeah, right. right. Of course, we were so not clean uh, the week before, but that's that was the attention to detail that had been missing, you know. And and just again, that's where just ramping up that accountability. Which and 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 after also make mention, our leaders did a better job. You know, our our you're, you're going to go as far as your older guys go. You're going to play. Your team is going to play as well as your best players play. And I thought our best players stepped up and played much better uh, Friday than they had the Saturday before. Coach, what a weird start to the season schedule wise. Now you end a five game homestand this week coming up uh, against Georgia Tech. Five in a row at home after the the weirdest start with bye weeks and early starts and everything. But you got one last one at home here in this uh, homestand against Georgia. Tech this weekend it is you know and, and it's been it's been a peculiar year to say the least but you know what um again the one the one constant has been this is a team that has fought for each other if you look at the the energy on the sideline if you look at the way that the guys stay after it uh it's a team that doesn't flinch and and, and like i said I, just, I thought the the demeanor between the team and the, and the fans in the fourth quarter was was unbelievable and to be able to see those guys finally get the the reward of the victory was amazing. And, and then we got another opportunity to do it on Saturday, you know, and, and everyone knows there's some spots where we're young and it just is what it is. You know, you come watch a game, you're, you're coming to watch a team that's going to fight. You're going to come watch a team that plays with a lot of pride to be a Miami hurricane. And that's, that's something they've established through the first six games. And now, as, as we've been mentioning all along, as the execution starts to improve and we start to get better in that regard, the team got a chance to, to, I think, be what we thought all along it could be. You know, And, and off, offensively, you know, there's a couple shots that we missed in that game in the first quarter in the first half that really could have created some major separation on the scoreboard and really gotten Virginia into a major throwing comeback mode game. And we, just, we know those things are there. And, and um, but like I said, the, the execution can be fine tuned as, as long as the, the, the effort and the fight uh, if that travels every week. We know of a chance to be uh, to be tough to beat every weekend. All right, Miami Georgia Tech on Saturday, Coach. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Coach. As always. All right, guys. Have a great day. Good football weekend this past weekend in the 305 area. Of course, the Canes with that big win, Manny Diaz getting them on the right track. The Dolphins almost winning yesterday. Almost winning yesterday. Of course, you can listen to all the Canes and Dolphins games. Next up is going to be the Canes versus Georgia Tech this coming Saturday noon. Kickoff, pregame, postgame, the whole game right here, 560 the Joe. But speaking of the Dolphins up next, Dan the Man Levitar going to be diving into that on the Best of the Joe Show. Back on the Best of the Joe Show, running back the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hope you're having a good Monday. Ah, I am a Dan Day, and ah, is what a lot of people were saying yesterday at the end of the Dolphins-Washington game. Dan Lebitard, he asks, were they going for two or going for Tua? Also my favorite, the Dolphins' stat of the day. I think the question that everyone wants answers to is, was the Do- were the Dolphins really going for it on that two-point conversion? Were they actually trying to win the game? Because I found that whole sequence fascinating, Greg, where you have 
two winless teams, two teams that appear to be tanking, uh, certainly the Dolphins. One team in the Dolphins that definitely wants a quarterback. They don't have one. The Redskins just drafted uh, Haskins. But a lot of people were making fun of the Dolphins on that two-point conversion. Josh Rosen went out for the game. He wasn't playing well. Fitzpatrick came in. You saw some Fitz magic right up until that two-point conversion where there was no more magic. Yeah, that was a... I love going for it. I, I love that Flores decided to uh, issue the tie <laughs> and go for the win or the loss. Uh, I hated the call because even if even if he catches that pass... There were three Redskin defenders right there. He's not going to make it. I would have uh, gone into the end zone with that. Nevertheless, uh, no, I don't think they were tanking. I think quite the opposite. I think that when he, and I wrote this in my column, which people can read on MiamiHerald.com, when, when you make a quarterback change entering the fourth quarter and rally like that, uh, I don't think that was tanking. And, and, you know, that was a very frustrated locker room. These guys want to win. Right. I, I think the whole tanking scenario is external. It's from a lot of Dolphin fans. It's from a lot of media. It's not from within that locker room. I can tell you that. It's clear that they're tanking when the decision after that game, when Fitzpatrick brings you back, you say after the game, you know what? We're going to go back to Rosen next game. That's how you know they're tanking. And I ask you this question on that final conversion play. Were they going for two or going for Tua? <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. I like that. They were going for Tua. An outside shoulder pass to Kenyon Drake on the three-yard line. That's going for Tua. Put it on the pole. Were the Dolphins going for two or Tua? I feel like a cynical Dolphins fan or anyone who thinks that they are genuinely trying to lose. I think a cynical person could make the argument that that's the play you draw up and you whisper in Kenyon Drake's ear, hey, bat it down, act like you're trying to catch it, we go home a loser. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's extremely cynical. Uh, yeah, that's a, and, and by the way, going back to Josh Rosen, that was pretty lukewarm. Uh, trust me when I say that if Josh Rosen opens uh, in Buffalo next week with two early interceptions, right. Fitz Beardrick is going to be right back in there. See, Chris, I think what happened was Brian Flores and the Dolphins figured out a way, hey, let's give the appearance that we're actually trying to win this game. We'll go with Fitz Magic fourth quarter, and if, God forbid, we get a touchdown, have a chance to win, we will then tell them to blow the two-point conversion. They should have just leaned into it. They should have went for two and then kneeled the ball. Spike it. Yeah. Just spike just, it. Like, yeah. Imagine, what would the news be surrounding today if at the end of the, on that two-point conversion, he just took a knee? Yeah. yeah, or punt from the two-yard line. They go in the victory formation because that's a victory for them. It just goes, goes through his progressions and decides, you know what, I'm going to throw this ball away. Back of the end zone. No read here. Can't risk it. Do you think Dolphin fans were happy with that result? Chris, you're a Dolphin fan. Were you happy because your dad says inside the locker room they were upset, they wanted to win that game. The players did, and I'm certain they did. I'm not certain the coach did, but I'm certain the players wanted to win that game. You're a Dolphin fan. Were you happy with the result? Well, yeah. I mean, I've been all in on the tank all season. I want the first pick. If they're going for it, let's do it. You know, I've put myself in spots by, you know, entertainment purposes, survivor pools, where I've been rooting pretty hard against the Dolphins every week. So it wasn't that difficult for me, but yeah, I mean, I'm all in on this tank. But yeah, but is the the tanking notion just something for you to fall back on to make a loss feel that much better? Uh, when uh, they line up for that two-point conversion, what are you rooting for? Are you rooting for them to fail? I picked the skins in my pick'ems thing. Are yeah. you rooting for them to fail as a Dolphins it, fan? Though? Chris, it's a great question because I had the same predicament yesterday. Do I want the Cowboys to tie this game and possibly win it in overtime, or do I want the Jets to win a meaningless game? Because pick'em and Survivor and gambling... 
those are all great in the event that you lose. But at some point, I've been in that situation with the Browns too. I'm going to start rooting for my team and a win's on the line. What were you doing for that two point conversion? I'll admit, I was hoping for some fun. I was hoping for them to have the fun win. Like I, there was a part of me, I'm with you. I'll give you that. Right. While I'm in on this tank, there was a small part of me that was like, you know what? Like, cause the crowd was so excited. They got the touchdown. They finally scored a touchdown in the second half. And I was just, yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of, I, I'll give you that. There was a small part of me that maybe wanted them to win. But you didn't feel bad after they no, lost not because of the, the tanking. So right. It's like a win-win. It's a win-win situation for you. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I was watching the Jet game, and I had seen enough good things out of Sam Darnold where I was fine if the Cowboys came back and won that game. I was. Uh, Jets won. I felt good for a minute. Then I said to myself, you know what? It's a meaningless win. I saw yeah. enough of the Darnold. I did, Greg. I can tell you the vast majority of 50,000 Dolphin fans in that stadium were cheering for a win yesterday. And, and the players were too. And, you know, I know it, it's funny to, to make fun and, and, and the tanking thing and all of that. But when you're trailing 17 to three entering the fourth quarter and you've been outscored to that point 91 to nothing in second halves. Right. If you're tanking, you keep Rosen in there. Okay. If, if you're not tanking, uh, you, you look for a spark with the veteran quarterback, which is exactly what they did, and they almost won. I think the fourth quarter yesterday was evidence that uh, there may be tanking uh, talk out there, but it's not coming from within that locker room. But you don't, like Greg, you understand, though, I'm perfectly, if they are indeed tanking, if the Dolphins, if that's their strategy, we're going to tank. Hey, put Fitzpatrick in. Let's see if we can get close. Give the appearance that we're not tanking. Everyone's getting mad at us, and at the end, we'll blow it. Mm. Okay, we'll go for Tua. Okay. Okay. If that is indeed the conversations that are happening inside the Dolphins facility, I am fine with that. Why not? The only way to get better in the NFL is to A, be bad and B, get a great quarterback. Right. And the Dolphins are on track to do that. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, yesterday was not must lose for Miami. It's, it's a long season. The teams that have a chance to finish number one, some of them don't need a quarterback. And, and I would use the Jets as an example. Uh, the Bengals have Ryan Finley. They would probably draft Tua. Uh, but the Dolphins have an arsenal of first round picks and second round picks next year. So they can move up if they need to. Uh, they're going to get Tua one way or another, whether it's with the number one overall draft pick or, or with an outlay of, um, of draft picks, of, of draft picks to trade up with. That's the team you have to worry about is the team you just mentioned, the Bengals, because that's the team that would definitely take a quarterback. You're right about the Jets. If they had the number one overall pick, they would probably not take a quarterback, right. although they would probably leverage that pick to get as many picks as they possibly can from one of the other teams that do want to take to it. Right. You know? Yeah. Although, is that bluff going to work, though? Um, I guess worst case scenario, they could draft two and then trade them. But uh, realistically, uh, I, I think it's going to shake out. I think the Dolphins are still in really great shape. And I think they would have been had they won yesterday. Dolphins are bad, they make us feel really sad, so we read funny stats to make us laugh. That's right, they're bad. Yep. <laughs> According to ESPN FPI, the Dolphins have an 89% chance to earn the number one overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Last year, through Week 6, Arizona Cardinals had the highest chance at 33% <laughs> per ESPN Stats and Info. There were so many people outraged at the uh, the two-point conversion try yesterday for the Dolphins. So many The people. Dolphins are bad! Keep it going. Don't keep it going. That was it. All right. Uh, there were so many people, they were outraged because they're convinced the Dolphins are tanking and that two-point conversion play. Uh, and we have it on the Paul Watt Levitard show where they're going for two or two up. Which is very funny, but people were outraged about that play, Greg. I find that funny. I mean, the Dolphins, I'm certain, were trying to win there, aren't you? 
Uh, yes, I am. But uh, there is a lot of debate on that. The the, the franchise is tanking uh, because of all the talent they traded off for draft picks. That's pretty obvious. But I don't think the coaches and players are tanking. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. Hopefully one game this season. Come on, Dolphins. Of course, once again, you can hear pre-games, post-games, all the Dolphins games this season right here on 560 The Joe. Up next, my man, Stephen A. Smith, breaking out the Southern draw because another Cowboys loss. We'll hear that next on the Best of the Joe Show. Back with the Best of the Joe Show, bringing back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Dan Day Radio. Got some interesting stuff like the Day Spa. Ah, You have to read it to believe it. Stephen A. Smith, believe it, he is relishing the Cowboys decline. Oh, yeah, another day of Cowboy hating continues. Also, some Adam Gase hating. Obviously. I am in a very, very, very good mood. And I got news for you, buddy. I got news for you for my brothers and sisters out there. It ain't just because today's my birthday, you know. It's because I sat back and I took notice of what transpired last night at that MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. I watched those New York Jets. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. I watched those boys go up against America's team, those Dallas Cowboys. I watched Ezekiel Elliott rush for 105 yards. Didn't matter. I watched Dak Prescott throw for 277 yards. Didn't matter. What really, really mattered was that Sam Donald, that star quarterback for the New York Jets, the winless New York Jets coming into yesterday's game, returned from his absence due to mononucleosis and throws 23 for 32 for 338 yards, including two touchdowns. 92-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson. And the New York Jets ain't winless anymore. 24-22 winners over those Dallas Cowboys who have now suffered their their third straight loss. And I'll tell you something right now. If I'm any of you folks out there, all you Cowboy lovers across the world, got to tell you something. You folks are a little little, little bit in trouble there. Things ain't too pleasant for you right now. Started off the year 3-0. Started off the year with everybody talking about how, hey, we gonna compete for that Super Bowl. Foregone conclusion that you're gonna win the NFC East. Matter of fact, less than three weeks ago, it was the Philadelphia Eagles that walked into Lambeau Field on a Thursday night in Green Bay, Wisconsin, talking about how it was a must-win situation. And gosh darn it, they were right. They were right. Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen? If the Eagles had lost that game and the Dallas Cowboys had won that Sunday matchup against those New Orleans Saints without Drew Brees, then the Dallas Cowboys would have been a full three games up on those Philadelphia Eagles for first place in the NFC East. And it would have been a foregone conclusion that those Dallas Cowboys were going back to the playoffs courtesy of winning that NFC East. But things don't change, haven't they? (laughs) Things don't change. Because now we're looking at those Dallas Cowboys and they're measly old three and three. Losers are three straight to New Orleans. Okay. We know they lost to the Jets yesterday. We know they lost last week. And in the meantime, Dak Prescott has not looked impressive. Jason Witten looked like he's on the cusp again. Fine. That Jerry Jones, I just don't know how much more of this he can take. By the way, happy, happy birthday to my buddy. My buddy, Jerry Jones. 
contrary to what you might believe, I takes no pleasure in going after those Dallas Cowboys like this. Because I happen to like that man, Jerry Jones. His birthday was the day before mine. We Libra buddies. I love me some Jerry Jones. And damn it, that guy, Steven Jones, he ain't a bad dude either. It's you Cowboy fans that I can't stand. It's you Cowboy fans that get on my last nerves. It's you Cowboy fans that usually make me want to throw up. And as I sit here now, appearing as if I'm wallowing in the misery of the Dallas Cowboys, it's not Jerry Jones. That's my buddy. It's not his son, Stephen Jones. We're going to go out for a drink someday soon. It's going to be on me. What it's really about is those sickening, disgusting, nauseating Cowboy fans out there. And I got to tell you something. When I put on this hat and you hear my drawl as I talk about y'all, I have to admit, it gives me great pleasure. There is a downside to all of this. And that is this. Your frustration, your misery, your dissipated level of hope is in October. I prefer it to hit y'all around Christmas time. I prefer that y'all are miserable right around that time when it's time to open those presents and it's time to say very, very Christmas to you all. That's when I usually like that misery hitting you. So I'm a bit upset that the misery has arrived a bit prematurely because what that indicates is either hope will come on down the pike or it will eradicate or evaporate so quickly that you're able to recover to have a good Christmas and a happy new year. See where I'm thinking? When I look at the Dallas Cowboys yesterday, here's what I say in all seriousness. Jason Garrett's got to go. He's just not that good of a coach. Now, there are people out there that's going to protect him, and they're going to talk about how he knows more about football than y'all realize. My response is, what about results? What about results? You got a fourth and two at the seven-yard line in the second quarter. You know you're not running the football well. Randall Cobb and Amari Cooper are out of the lineup due to injury. You can't pass the ball that great. You ain't running the football that effectively. One would think, let me get these three points while I can. And what did J.C. Garrett do? Go for it on a fourth and two with one of the most predictable plays one could imagine. You don't score. You end up empty-handed. You hand the momentum to the New York Jets. And then on top of all of that, you end up losing the game by two points. When you could have won it by one because you would have had the three points earlier in the game. On that ensuing play, not only did Jason Garrett call the wrong or, you know, go for it wrongly and have Kellen Moore run the wrong play. But then on the very next play where the Jets had it, Sam Donald connects with Robbie Anderson who juked the woozy on that double move for a 92-yard touchdown catch. It was something special to behold, I must say. I must say that. It was something special because it handed the momentum to the winless New York Jets. Actually made them look like a football team. Actually made Adam Gates look like he could coach a little bit himself. By the way, just as an aside, that boy needs a shave. I just want to say that. You ain't got no business being on the sideline looking like that. There's barbers everywhere, Adam Gates. There's barbers everywhere in New York City. Find one, please. Find one, please. But I digress because the New York Jets are winners on this day. They did find a way to get it done. And as a result, they're no longer winless. And the Dallas Cowboys are three and three, walking pieces of mediocrity, looking like a black cat running around that franchise. Where y'all hear that before? Where y'all hear that before? You know where you heard it before because I've been telling you. And so now here we are, three and three. If you're Dak Prescott, things ain't looking too kind for you right now. 
making $2 million while other people making $30-plus million at the quarterback position because you determined to not sign a deal unless it allows you to set the market because you want to be the highest-paid quarterback in football when, in fact, you've done nothing to prove that you deserve to be the highest-paid quarterback in football. So rather than fret over $35, $36, $37 million, why don't you accept the 33 and be on your merry way? Because the way things are looking for the Dallas Cowboys right now, if this continues, Jerry Jones is just elevating his level of leverage. And you know this man knows leverage. You Dak Prescott, you got two tackles out, I get that. Level of protection that you're normally accustomed to, it ain't existing right now, I get that. Running game compromise because of it, I get that. But the bottom line is, you're right now in the throes of contract negotiation. And if you're in the throes of a contract negotiations, then you don't know when those dudes are going to be back. And meanwhile... You're putting up one stink after another. That's like three weeks of counting now. Somebody better wake Dak Prescott up and say, excuse me, let me get this money while I can get this money. And maybe it ain't going to set the market. And maybe it's only going to be 33 instead of 35. Much better than two. Much better than two. Two million dollars. And you going to miss out on 33 because you want an additional two. Well, how smart is that? Somebody better mosey on down. Dak Prescott let him know. You dealing with a real Texan right there in that Jerry Jones. Might have went to school in Arkansas. Might have had those Arkansas roots. But this man knows a thing or two about negotiations now. He's a poker player. He loved Kenny Rogers growing up. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Y'all didn't think old Stevie A knew that, did y'all? Yes, I do know a little country music. Yes, I do. And I'm here to tell you something right now. Dallas Cowboys in a world of trouble because when you look at the NFC Conference, first of all, the Giants just a game back. They lucky that the Eagles can't play any damn defense right now. Green Bay, Chicago, and Detroit and Minnesota are formidable enough to be threats. So is Carolina and New Orleans. By the way, that Christian McCaffrey might be the league MVP right now. He's been spectacular. And then, of course, our West. The San Francisco 49ers have creeped up into the picture. They're an undefeated bunch. One of only two teams undefeated in the National Football League. Seattle's no joke. Off of their best start since 2013 with a 5-1 record. The reigning NFC champion, Los Angeles Rams, look completely lost without Todd Gurley, but they're still 3-3. Three and three. That's the same record as the Cowboys and the Eagles. Somebody better get it together. Somebody better get it together. That'll about do it for the best of the Joe show. We have run back some of the best audio. Joe Rose talking to the used coach, Manny Diaz. Dan Lebitard going for two or going for Tua. Also the Dolphins stat of the day. And Steven A. Smith hating the Cowboys, hating Adam Gase. And I am loving it all. If you like this show or any of the shows that you hear on 560 The Joe, download the podcast wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free or for free on the radio.com app. Or you can just go to our website, wqam.com. Want to go even deeper? Give me a follow on Twitter, at Dan Day Radio. Going to be back Tuesday, always better than Monday. I can't wait. Thanks for spending some time with the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 